Welcome to the Writing Guys podcast, where we help writers get inside a guy's head by answering burning questions on how men think. I'm Lancey McCall, today's moderator, and our hosts are Michael Aspen and C.T. Andrews. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hey, before we get started, guys, um, you want to give updates on your, your work, where your books are, or where you are in your process? Sure. Um, Michael, you want to go first? You want me to go first? No, I'll go first. I'll get, I'll let you, uh, <laughs> I'll let you figure oh. out what you want to say. Okay. So, um, as I've alluded to in a, at least one other episode that I can pinpoint in my brain right now, um, I have been living with, um, mental, like acute mental situations for quite quite some time. Anxiety being one that wasn't really a game changer for a long time, but recently it was. There was an episode that I think either has been released or is about ready to be released that talks about how I was going through some anxiety that really crippled me, made it where I couldn't function. Um, but then I've also suffered from depression uh, off and on. Um, when I say off and on, I mean fairly regularly, but um, for gosh, my, like my entire adult life. So this year, um, I decided that I was going to, I was going to really tackle this for the first time. I was actually going to make it a priority instead of just weathering the occasional bout of depression or now anxiety. Um, I want to identify the root causes and fix them. So while my writing has suffered because of that, um, if you are dealing with anxiety or depression and you're working through the root causes, you're going to find yourself uncovering triggers at an alarming rate. So when you get depressed or when you get anxious, creativity is one of those first things to kind of fly out the window. It's very difficult to sit down and be creative whenever you're either depressed or anxious. So my, my writing has really not progressed very much. However, my mental health, I feel has improved significantly um, to the point where um, I am back on the horse and riding fairly regularly now, um, and, and making progress to the, and, and to the point where I've actually started another book series, which I'm not at liberty to talk about, but it could go very long and be a lot of fun to write. And I'm very excited about it. So, um, so I've got my original book that I'm writing and it's, it's, it's a trilogy and I'm in the editing process for book one. And that is going along fairly well. I've got a really good outline that I've written based off where I know I want that story to go. And I've written about three or four chapters, uh, in the rewrite and I am getting ready to go back and rewrite the rest of it to make it all fall in line. Uh, I wrote the ending this time first, so I know exactly where it's going to go. And then I'm going to write everything up to it. Um, and then. I'm flushing out the idea, fleshing out, flushing out. Flesh. Hmm. Let's say fleshing out. <laughs> well, flushing could flesh be like out flushing or flush a, down. For flushing, you could be flushing like a bird from a from a bush, right? When that's a hunting term. So yeah, okay, that's we're going to go there instead of the toilet where C two wanted to go. Uh, so we'll say fleshing out. Um, so I'm fleshing out this other this other book idea, and I'm really excited about it because I feel like it might have some really long legs, and it's it's, uh, it's discussing a lot of things that I really want to write about and put into my book as themes. Uh, so anyway, so um, my my goal is to get to the point where I write in both every day. I want to write uh, in the book that I'm 
rewriting and finishing off. And then um, I've actually hired a developmental editor for this new book series already. I've already paid her and she's on board and we're, we're working through some of getting the story fleshed out. There you go. Just for UCT. Um, ahead of time, figuring out the world building, figuring out the characters, figuring out what their pain is, what they're trying to do, who the, who the antagonist is and uh, really, really building it out, the building out the story. And I, I think getting her on board earlier is going to help me a lot because um, part of my problem with the first time I wrote a book was I kind of meandered through it and wrote myself into all these cul-de-sacs that were not necessary. And it really made the writing worse. And it's a lot harder to go and prune all that back and clean it up and reorganize it than it is to get it right the first time. So lesson learned. So there you go. Um, mental health getting better. Creativity is coming back. Two books are in production um, one of them I hope to have done very soon now that I, now that I'm moving on it. And the other one, I'm kind of at the beginning figuring it out. CT, hopefully that gave you enough time. Oh yeah. Um, so that's, that's news from the Michael Aspen front. Yeah. A series of books being, being currently chalked up to yeah. one degree or another. All right. Well, that's kind of exciting, man. That's I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. It's about time you got back up on the horse, Michael. And here I've you been, are, back up I've on been, the horse. I've been up, I've been up on it and then kicked off a few times this year, but I've really learned a lot about how to avoid getting kicked off. Yeah. It's it's been a well, very beneficial year for me. It yeah, that's me good. Fifty to do it, but I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> Writing <laughs> is is mountains and valleys. And you know, you put you put in uh the the the, the psycho-emotional mental aspect on top of that. And the mountains only get higher and the valleys only get deeper. Yeah. It kind of brings up the question, how much of our personal state do we actually want to incorporate into our work? Do we want to leave them completely separated and not have that? Or do we want to actually use that darkness and that doubt and that anxiety even or some, depending on where you're at, that happiness and glee and put it into our writing? So. I think it's a constant balancing beam that we're always, always sort of walking on. What is, what is, is it the balance beam that the gymnasts, yeah. the gymnasts yeah. walk? It's like that. Yeah. 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 They do that. Gymnasts do that very, very well. I, I think writers the, do it even better. I fall off the balance beam because... if I lay over it at my waist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys got so deep. Thing. You guys got so deep. Yeah. You yeah, know, we, your, we went astray, didn't we? To your point, though, I think I think adding the emotion to the story is what makes the story compelling. You don't necessarily need to make a depressed character that's suffering anxiety and is crippled. But if you have somebody, if you can take and put uh, deep emotions into a character and still write a compelling story, I think yeah. it richens the story. So Yeah, well, it worked for Edgar Allan Poe. It you know, did. we all know he was sort of a manic depressive and all of his stuff just came out beautifully dark and yeah. you know deeply human and gritty i mean you had hearts beating inside of boxes and you had yep. pendulums and you had not yeah, anyway the crow, okay the crow Do you guys want to talk about this instead of our listener yeah, question yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well before i answer the question um I don't see why we don't. We sort of just spawned our own episode. Why don't we talk about where we're each at in our writing process? Lancey, that includes you. 
and uh, uh, why we're there and where we want to be. I mean, we've got a new year coming up, so maybe it's time to start thinking of uh, Let's do goals, it. Let's be spontaneous, whatever. and we'll say that question's still on our list, and we'll come back to it. Okay. I'm so go that. ahead and tell us where you are, CT, and what you're... Um what you're looking at. Okay. Uh, our question was going to be about weddings anyway. So, uh, don't have a whole lot of, don't have a whole lot of input, but I do have an opinion. We'll get to that later. Um, yeah, that'll be in yeah, another episode. We'll do that in the next episode. You'll see us yeah. wearing the exact same clothes doing this again. In a minute. <laughs> yeah. Next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I don't know where I'm at. I know I'm somewhere. Uh, I, I think I'm sort of in a holding pattern. I'm at, I'm at 3000 feet and I'm flying around my landing strip, waiting for the landing strip to open up. And I'm currently just sort of on autopilot. As long as the weather remains non-turbulent, I'll be okay because I'm in a holding pattern waiting to discover what my next project is going to be waiting to discover what it is I want to write about at this point and waiting to see, you know, what the next chapter in my career is as far as writing goes. Um, that being said, being very well, being aware of the fact that I'm in this holding pattern, I've sort of looked back into my backlog of material that I have collected over the last 20 years or 15 years. And um, I'm I'm thinking seriously about re rewriting those some of those pieces where they need to be rewritten and and then launching them again. In fact, about a month ago, I did launch a fantasy adventure that I had worked on several years ago, but I uh, pr self produced the Audible too. So um, under my Ian Cannon pen name um i have launched my uh, rise of the father heir to the scorned series um with the audible the associating audible so with the uh, audio was book, right you mean the audio, audio. Book. was yeah. that was that your voice on that because when i listened to it it did not sound like you yeah it was my voice yeah, oh i, I thought did. it did he did a good job excellent of changing job. his voice up yeah, yeah you did an excellent job with that I, I when you sent that out i i wanted to ask you about it and i kept forgetting and i still have until just now because i was like that doesn't sound like ct really um, yeah <laughs> but I, that means a good thing it means you did a great job with the um with the audio because you were able to get into character really well which yeah yeah well i awesome. appreciate it um doing an audible is a lot of fun as it turns out and, but it takes a lot more patience than you think because I went into it just going, oh, this will be fun. I'll read the book. No, 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 no. You've got to, you've got to edit out the mistakes. You've got, to, you've got to come up with different character. You know, some of them talk like this and others talk like this. And then you've got the great king, you know, and you've got all of these different voices. You have, have to know who your characters are. And so it was a lot of fun. Uh but as far as producing any writing, um, that's all I've been doing. That's all I've done in the last couple of months, you know, um, and, and as far as indie publishing goes. So, but of course, you know, my uh, gods of blood and lust are still available at CT Andrews um, uh, sales page on Amazon. Just go to Amazon, look up CT Andrews and read some uh, some ancient Greece, some ancient Roman gladiatorial, you know 
blood isn't, fest with a bunch of sex. Isn't your website books by CT Andrews.com? Yes. Yeah. Is I don't know. Up? Maybe. Nah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at it. I'm going to go look and see if I get gladiators on my face here. <clears throat> yeah. A bunch of, bunch of big chesty gladiator gladiators. <laughs> Well, I um yes, Lancy, on to you. Book, one book published, and I, I maybe maybe twenty twenty three has just been a year all around for people because I went through a period where I was very stuck, and then I wasn't, and I'm actually writing again. Just within this last month and a half, I actually started writing again, and and have taken off. I've I've started. So I have Left Turn, which is the first book in, in a interconnected standalone series that is uh, women's fiction romance. And um, I started book two and then I started book three because I got tired <laughs> of writing in book two. So I started book three and now book three is going to be book two. <laughs> so it's I just jump back and forth, uh, which I've discovered is just probably the way I'm going to write. I'm probably going to always have multiple um, projects going at once and just go back and forth between them. Um, because what I've discovered that first story, it just was fully formed in my head. I'd thought about it for years and years. And so by the time I sat down to write, I just literally had to get it down on paper because it was all done in my head. But the next two books that I'm working on, um, I kind of had to, I always start with the characters, you know, the characters come first for me, but then I had to figure out what's happening to these people. What is the plot? And that was, that was a lot harder for me than the first one, because that one I already knew. I just had to write it down. So that's what I've struggled with. I think is figuring out what the plot is and what's going to happen to these people and how are they going to work it out? Um, so anyway, I'm in the middle of getting book two. I'm not going to make it by the end of the year. I'm not going to get it finished by the end of the year, but you know, hopefully in early 2024, I'll be in the editing. Oops. Sorry. In the editing phase. And um, yeah, that's where I am. No, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. You know, the, listening to you talk reminds me of what they always say about musicians and their first albums. Like if you'll notice, a band, let's say a band's first album is always their best. Not always, but so often is it the classic album because that's the album that they spent a lifetime creating. But once they release it, they've got a year to release their second album. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, it. yeah. It's so, it's so they're enjoying their art and craft in the first one, but now they're learning the business <laughs> in their second one, you know? And so there's, Listening to you talk about releasing book one, which had been swimming around in your head for so many years, you know, and you knew the story front and back versus book two kind of reminded me of that little uh, philosophy. Yeah. And I have spent a lot of time learning the business. Um, you know, I played with Amazon ads and a little mm -hmm. bit with Facebook ads and I, I haven't gotten the fa Facebook stuff figured out. But um, one thing the Amazon ads did for me. I took a couple of little freebie classes, you know, with like Brian Cohen, and the, you know, sure. some of the, some of the names you hear that are, mm -hmm. that know all about it. And it, they didn't do that great in the U S but I went and tried them in Australia and I have sold just as many books in Australia 
in like the last five months that I have in the last year in the US. Like, I don't know why, but the folks in Australia, they like the book. <laughs> really? Hmm. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that it takes place in Texas. Uh, I think probably, but I'm not sure. I, I think that's not a sure. thing that mm -hmm. it's a, you know, Texas setting and, and Texas is pretty exotic for people yeah. outside of Texas. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows Texas. You go to England, which I've done, which I've been to England and uh, you know, it's, you know, where are you from? Where are you from? Are you a Yank across the pond, across the pond? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where at? And, the, and you say Texas and eyes just light up and then don't dare say Dallas because then you'll get mobbed, you know, with people wanting to know about Dallas, you know? Um, I don't know why. Because Dallas is better. But anyway, um, like I was saying, <laughs> well, no, it's because it's because did you know that the number one, number one, most recognizable city skyline across the world is Dallas. Is it because of JR? Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, people Look at like Michael's in... face, Michael is like, you cannot let these Texans get together and talk. <laughs> I am I am skeptical to say the least of that claim, CT. <clears throat> That's cool. But we all skeptics, of, all skeptics all are welcome. The... Of all of the of all of the skylines that have unique architecture that you could pull from, you know, Paris with the Eiffel Tower. Um, I just I just can't believe Dallas is is number one globally then. But I am That's, I am skeptical. Is a, Call, color yeah. me skeptical. All right, I'll color you skeptical. That uh, that that is according to an article I read on the way to an air hockey tournament back in like 2012. Oh, okay. Has data changed? Maybe. But back then, um, Dow the Dallas skyline was the number one most recognizable skyline. Are you Googling it, Mike? I am. Okay, Google it. Most recognizable skylines in the world. I want to see if Dallas is even in the list. Oh, it looks like Dubai might be taking over. I'm also Googling it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Frankfurt, Germany is the number one. Hong Kong, New York, Rio de Janeiro, Rome, Shanghai. All right, moving on. <laughs> so let's get back to what our decided topic is in talking about writing and where we are, maybe what we've learned you know, or what we, some of the things we've been through. So... Writing is a head game, and uh, and I'll tell you one of the this is the time of year we're we're recording this the Friday before Thanksgiving in 2023. So what is today the it's the 17th of November. Uh, I don't know when this will be released, but uh, maybe I'll even bump it up and make it released next week on Thanksgiving Day. That would be nice. But um, writing is a head game, and one of the things that I have learned over the past year, um is that your brain is a malleable computer that can be changed in the way it thinks, right? Like you were talking about how deep we just went, Lancey. Um, that is a habit that I have, that I have developed over the years. And I used to always think that it was something that just was part of my makeup. And to an extent it is. But um, you can train your brain. 
you can train it to focus on other things to allow it uh, room to breathe and room to grow and room to heal and more importantly room to be creative and one of the techniques they talked about was being thankful like what are you thankful for so I don't know mm -hmm. if we want to go around and say what we're thankful for in this podcast or not. We don't have to, but I just wanted to point out that um, changing your focus and training your brain to focus on the positives of your life. What, what do you have that's good in your life? What's going right. Right. And discovering those and fixating on those and, and putting together lists of those instead of what's going wrong or how difficult your life is or how things are not going your way. It's a big changer in, in your mental health. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm quickly becoming the mental health advocate here on the uh, writing guys, but um, I find uh, that I, I have been able to over the past year started kind of training my brain to focus on the positive things and to arrest some of the thoughts that lead me down into depression or into anxiety. So. Um, I, before CT, before you answer, if you don't mind, I'd love to jump in here and say, I actually love the, the idea that you just brought up about training your brain. Um, I am such an advocate for finding tools that work for you in the way you think and then changing your perspective. Um, I don't know that we've ever talked about it on the show, but I, I have epilepsy, which heavily affects the way my brain works. Um, my seizures are controlled, so it's not, the health concern is not as big and bad and scary as you would think. However, I have, my memory is just for shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's terrible. And so I write everything down and I know, I know Michael, you've probably mentioned Lancy notes. Like whenever I've gone to a class before and I have notes and they're just, they're just pages of notes and it's outlined and color coded and yeah. uh, on timelines and <laughs> Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a coping <laughs> but good, right? Oh, but very good. Oh, fantastically yeah. thorough. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's a coping mechanism for me because of the way my brain works. And um, I've had people kind of fuss at me before in a class and say, you don't need to write this down. You know, I'm going to give you the slides and I'm like, yeah, thank you. And yeah. I'm still writing it down. <laughs> Lancy's head starts to hurt because they said, don't write this down. <laughs> yeah. That pencil starts pulling toward the paper. I will never not write it. I will never not, not write it down. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I have to, cause that's the way my brain works. But right. my point was, is that, um, finding an understanding of how your brain works or your emotions or your mental gymnastics, whatever you're, dealing with understanding what's going on with you and how to work around it with it through it yep. um is a wonderful thing for getting you where you need to mm. be yep so one of the so for me one of the techniques was being grateful um but lancy mentioned uh one of her techniques which is writing down detailed notes which helps her a lot these are these are examples of things you can do to change your life for the better. And they're not, you know, some huge, um, you know, life changing thing necessarily. They can just be small things in the moment that you can do to change your life for the better. And um, I, being that mental health was such an important part of my year um, and 
having gone through the ringer multiple times, thinking about stuff that was pretty painful, um, it really has helped me to, to know the techniques to start learning the techniques to redirect my thoughts so that I don't get sucked down into rabbit holes that ruin a weekend or a week or two weeks of my life. Cause I can't really afford to give that up anymore. Right. I don't want to give up that time. That time is gone and you never get it back to something that was all in your head. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to rein in what your brain is doing so that you can make it do what you need it to do and want it to do instead of letting it run off into stuff that's bad for you. So CT, what are yeah. some of the things that you do? Well, first of all, let, let me, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll come to that in just a minute um, because I think it's a good conversation to have, but uh, I, I just want to address Mike's, what Michael said a moment ago. I think that uh, I'm a big believer that positive thought and positive thing, much bigger than I used to be. I yeah. used to not give this any real, you know, credulity, if you will. Yep. I have begun to see it in myself, how my life, works in cycles it's cyclical what happens once will go away but sure enough it will happen again and it's a cycle you know everything is and um how i think and the mood that i'm in maybe it's the season that it is which affects the mood that i'm in affects directly how i write whether i write how much i write and a lot of that is just mindset you know, I think in today's day and age, and I'm just as guilty of this as any as anybody else, it's easy to fall into the pitfall of media rage and society, society depression and just cultural doubt and whatever else. And, you know, I have these conversations with myself on the daily and I watch podcasts and whatever, and I... I I swing down and I, as I swing down, I find that I'm not writing. And if six weeks goes by or three months goes by now, I haven't written anything. And then the, the desire to write something new begins to itch like a flea, like a tick, like a dog I start doing this, you know, I have to scratch that itch. But in order to do that, I have to get out of the mindset that, took me to that place and get into a mindset where I'm actually thinking about something creatively or I'm having positive thoughts of hope that I'm writing a new, uh, writing a new project because I get a lot of hope when I write new projects, uh, and moving forward. And so my, yeah, so that darkness of thought or brightness of thought determines a lot for me. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I manifest I'm going to manifest a million dollars in my mailbox next week. You know, and it's not about manifesting. It's about getting in the right headspace. Yeah. And it, there, it's incredibly important to do so. There was a lot of woo woo stuff around this kind of thing. You've heard like the power of power, <laughs> positive thinking, and yeah. I'm going to project, I'm going to mentally project my future. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not, I don't think that's what CT and I are advocating at all. We're just mm-hmm. saying that, uh, your brain will run in directions that are not necessarily beneficial to you. And you can change the direction your brain goes by choosing what you think about and what you, what you concentrate on. Yeah. The quality what of you, thought. Yeah. And also, and you kind of alluded to it. I don't know that you said it explicitly. And if you did, I apologize for reiterating the point, but what you allow into your head from outside. Um, one of the reasons why it's so hard for me to do Facebook and Instagram and reels and 
Twitter, well, X now, because apparently you can't have a name brand that everybody knows across the world. We have to change it to something obscure. So anyway, why I don't, why I'm not on any of those platforms is because they drive envy and greed and anger and frustration. And these are all negative emotions that I'm just allowing in through my eyes without any filter. And for me, it's just so much easier if I'm just like, you know what? I'm just not going to watch that. I'm not going to be a part of that. Um, and it's the only reason why I still am on Reddit is because Reddit allows you to choose the topics that you follow. And so you're not following a person who can spew any kind of craziness into your life that that will mess up your brain. You're you're specifically following a specific topic on Reddit. And it's also why I enjoy YouTube because I will subscribe to channels that only provide positive information in my life. If they start going negative or something, unsubscribe. Um, but it's a lot harder to unsubscribe from a person for some reason. It, it feels undoable. And even then, I feel like the feed on those sites is designed to try and keep you engaged in a way that is not healthy, mentally healthy. So they're always putting stuff in front of you that is not necessarily good for you, but it's good for their algorithm. So yeah, filtering, that that's something I've done for years. I stopped listening to the news. I stopped watching the news. I stopped using any of those uh, social media sites and that has helped a lot and i should have seen the benefits of it earlier as that was something that was taking my brain in a direction that wasn't healthy and i eliminated them from my life thinking oh there you go job done i had no idea that my brain liked to do it on its own i just thought that was part of my makeup and now i'm learning that it's something i can train myself not to do but yeah. anyway yeah so filters are important so i also Sorry, I also want to talk about, um, so we've talked, we probably talked about this before too. In my other life, I'm a project manager and the job of a project manager is dealing with all kinds of different people and who like to do things in all kinds of different ways and who react to things in all kinds of different ways. And so you're basically herding cats, right? <laughs> um, and so a tool that I really like to use, um, and that in it, when dealing with the world is, you know, a lot of the different personality tests that you can take that help you know more about yourself, like things that you will have patient with and things that you won't, you know? Um, uh, but one that I've discovered after becoming a writer and it, you, you probably have heard about it if you're in the indie publishing world is the Clifton Strengths. And um, there is an organization called Write Better Faster by Becca Sign, and they actually tailor this, this, um, this, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's not a test. It's an assessment kind of thing. They tailor it to writers. Now, I'm not like this big accolade of, oh, oh, you know, she's the best. They're the best. You have to do everything she says. However, I do like this, their approach. Because they basically say, if you have this kind of strength as your number one, you're going to find, you're going to be more apt to want to write like this, which kind of tells you if you're writing like that, that might be why you're stuck. So I, I do, at least you should check that out, I think, because it you don't have to follow it. You don't have to do anything by it, but at least check it out just to gain the knowledge and see if maybe there's a reason that I jump that I jump genres that I like to write in different genres. Yeah, actually there's a pattern that we've seen. And because your number two strength is that, yeah, you're going to, you're probably going to jump genres. 
And it's useful because then you don't feel like a weirdo because, oh, okay, makes sense. <laughs> I yeah. I took yeah. I took this test. I, I'm, on... I'm vaguely. Oh, go ahead, CT. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go um, I'm vaguely familiar with the Write Better Faster program. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about tools, tools that help us drive drive us forward. Um, that's a that sounds like a great tool. It's kind of a challenge. Um, I think I think for me, um, it's just it comes down to perspective. I don't, and it's very difficult to say that. And and then and then actually, actually, illuminate what I mean. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like someone going, "Oh, just be happy." Yeah. Well, what is it? What do you mean? You know, I just I just have perspective enough to self-diagnose. I guess when I'm feeling down, I'm able to go stop. Let's start feeling up, and you know, moving forward. Um, but I will say this: I I I think that there's a for me, and this might touch a lot of writers out there. I I don't know, um, but for me, there's a there's a, a world of difference between darkness and badness. Like just because something is dark, does not mean that it's bad, and you could be lost in it, you know, to depression and whatever. That would be badness, you know. But darkness is um, it's a little more human. Actually, it's not a little more human. It is human. It is as much a piece of our humanity as the other, the other elements, you know. So I always try to define the difference between what's dark and what's bad because I don't mind going dark. I like going dark. Dark is actually quite fun. It's where the Sith lives. It's, it's where Sauron lives. It's right. where, you know, uh, Hannibal Lecter lives. This is darkness, um, badness, I try to stay away from. That's where that's where MSNBC and Fox lives. You know what I'm saying? Like that's bad. <laughs> the other one's dark. And and uh, so an understanding of that, I think, uh, or at least a self-defining of what what that is, I think is helpful too. You know. Um... I, I took that Clifton Strengths test, um, and uh, just to give uh, uh, like a rubber meets the road illustration, um, they pegged me one of the they have a bunch of different categories that they rate you on, and and one of them is called restorative, and this means that if something is broken, you want to fix it, and it's it's like a it's a compulsion. You can't not fix it. It's broken needs to be fixed it's got to be fixed right now and i had never really understood why uh so i my other life is an it guy so there's a lot of times where i'll get a text message or a phone call or a team's message where they say hey this isn't working i need you to fix it and it is so hard for me to ignore that if i get that while i'm writing i'm the book is gone the book just leaves my brain and now all i'm doing is trying to troubleshoot and figure it out in my head hmm. and understanding that that part of me is an ingrained part of my personality has made me realize that I need to take advantage of the tools, the actual tools within the computer to keep that from happening. So I have it set where when I open any of the apps that I use for writing, 
it'll automatically turn on a, a focus mode, which will not allow anybody to get through to me except my wife. She's the only one that can text me. And she knows if I'm writing, don't text me unless it's urgent, right? Like if the house is on fire, maybe give me a call. You know, that's, that's probably important. But uh, other than that, it doesn't, it's not important to get a hold of me. So, or if the kids are hurt or something like that. So uh, I had to, I had to learn to use those tools and not be worried about those things hitting me from the side. Um, another thing that I have had to come to grips with this year, and you touched on it about the dark versus the bad. Um, happiness is, I think for, for a lot of people, myself included, is something that is transient. I am not consistently happy ever. And learning to accept that I will not be happy all the time and to be content with what I do end up in, which is kind of a middling, you know, sense of everything's okay. There's nothing broken. There's nothing bad. There's nothing great. It's just sort of the middle. And learning to find acceptance in that space is huge for me. Um, and that's, and it's so easy to think that if you had something else in your life, it would make you happy, buy something new, meet something, meet somebody new, go do something new, go travel somewhere. These are all things that'll make you happy and they won't. Um, or if they do, they make you happy for a short period of time, at least for me. I know some people though, that are obnoxiously positive and they sure seem like they're happy all the time. And uh, while I'm really happy for them, that is a little tough for me to be around. So, because um, I can't be that way. I've never been able to be that way. Maybe I'll eventually become that way, but definitely not now. Um, so I'm not saying this applies to everybody. If you're, a, if you're a permanently happy person, God bless you. Have a wonderful life. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you. Um, I'm envious of you to an extent, and I've got to find a way to make my own contentment. And that often is different than happiness. So anyway, that's another one that I had to learn. Cool. But <laughs> I thought it deserved a response, Michael. Thank you. I appreciate that. Kind of burying my soul a little bit there. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. What about like physical tools? Um, have you found anything in this last year? I know we're going deep on the emotional and mental stuff, but what about physical writing tools? Have you guys found some stuff that got you excited about writing? I saw Michael shaking his head. You want to? Yes. Um, yes. So focus mode is freaking huge. If you write on a Apple device of any kind, there are focus modes you can set up that are a very powerful part of your uh, of the experience. You can limit who can get in, what apps start it, what times you can set it by time if you want. There's a lot of functionality there. I, I encourage you to go explore it. Um, and then um, I, uh, a physical tool that I have learned is, uh, and this is something I've been developing over the past few years, but it's really become necessary this past year is I can take myself from a distracted state to a creative state in a very much shorter period of time than it used to. I used to have to spend minutes to hours, uh, usually like a half hour or 45 minutes or even an hour diving down into my story and getting my mind wrapped around my story. And if I ever got interrupted for any reason, I would just bounce right back up to the surface and then I'd have to go through that whole long diving again. And it was very frustrating. And um, 
this is not a great story because I don't think it's actually true, but it does illustrate the point. That's kind of fun. So here we go. Um, this guy at a writing conference told me, he said, he was telling the story of uh, Benny Hill and John Cleese, and they both worked at the BBC at the same time. And John Cleese tried treated writing comedy like a day job he'd show up he'd sit in his office alone he'd try to write jokes and he was very frustrated by it whereas benny hill would show up at like 10 30 in the morning with his crew of acolytes following along and they'd be laughing and joking all the way into the building into his office they'd sit in there for like two or three hours bouncing jokes off of each other and writing stuff down and then they'd go eat a late lunch and then they'd disappear for the rest of the day and benny hill would get more comedy writing done both both quantity and quality in those couple of hours in his office than John Cleese would do all day. And what John Cleese had learned from that is that Benny Hill was getting himself into that creative space. He spent time with his friends, ramping up, getting the jokes flowing, getting the conversation going, working with each other. And by the time he actually sat down to do the work, he was in the creative mindset. And John mm -hmm. Cleese was never allowing his brain to transition into that. And so the, the second step of that was I, I read a fantastic book called From Chaos to Creativity by Jessie Quack. Quack. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She's awesome. Um, I've met her in person. She's pretty cool. I think she's got a writing, uh, like a writing seminar or a writing event coming up sometime soon, like Portland, I think. I'll have to look it up and get it in the show notes. But anyway, and she talked about there are distinct steps that your brain can follow. And they are tied to the physical world around you. So you need to set a place and a habit that will start you from, I'm distracted, I'm thinking about work, I'm thinking about kids, I'm thinking about food, I'm thinking about whatever. And you start down this very short, and you can you can learn how to prune it down to get to very short, this sequence of events that will take you to your creative space. And then once you're there, you can write creatively, and then you can bounce back and forth a lot quicker. So my time now to go from not thinking about writing at all to being in a creative mood is like 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. And, and that was a huge game changer was understanding that the physical world around you and following these habitual steps that always lead towards creativity. And they're always the same steps every time was huge. And for me, it's, it's sitting at my computer, but not, I have to lie to myself. I've said it before. I don't sit down to write. I sit down to read. I sit down to read my book. And inevitably reading <laughs> leans to writing and then I'm back at it. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you and I are very much the same that way. Yeah. Um, it's true. Um, that's, yeah, I, I don't know if I've discovered any physical tools that I I can use to increase my writing. I, I will say this. Though I have not been writing any narrative style no, no novel style narratives i have been writing a lot of screen plays oh. because i've come across uh, a group uh, of a production a production company group that needs writing they need they're about to launch for whatever to whatever degree they're about to launch into existence and they want written uh, creative so to speak. And they've turned to me for a lot of their written creative. So I've written like five screenplays this year. Um, and what I've discovered is that screenplays in terms of the sitting down and writing of are much easier than novels, just much less intensive, just grinding out 
paragraphs and narrative and all that stuff. Now, I won't, I'm not going to say that telling a story through a screenplay is, or telling a story through screenplay is any easier because it's not. In some ways, it's probably more difficult, but the actual just writing is so much easier. And uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, so I guess if I had to answer your question, Lancey, I've been using a, a, an application called Writer Duet, which is an online download that lets you helps you write, you know, screenplays. And so I've been doing that. The last screenplay I just finished was called Cafe Scrambled. It's about like a Quentin Tarantino style bloodbath. It just happens in one one setting, you know, a small cast. Everyone's got counter countering objectives. Um, we learn this throughout. You know, and it just turns into a straight bloodbath. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch him uh, make the movie if it gets to that. That's very cool. I don't know that I knew you were doing that. So thank you for sharing. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite tool, of course, I talk about it all the time, is Scrivener. Um, mm -hmm. when I first started writing, I kept reading about Scrivener, Scrivener. I'm like, what is this? And I went and looked at it and the, the, I don't know. <laughs> so I am a project manager, but I'm also a web developer, uh, in, in a programmer. So when I looked at this tool, I was like, Oh, I love it <laughs> because it just had everything, everything that you would want as a project manager. And you could use tools that I also use in web development, like, or, or in programming, like regular expressions, right? So, um, and it lets you just super organize everything. So referring back to my notes with the color coding and yes, I love it. Yeah. This is, this is why I don't use Scrivener. <laughs> Scrivener quite clearly to me was designed to appeal to like, the the ultra organized mind like the mind that just wants to leverage tools to express a thought or take a note or make an idea or whatever scrivener perfect uh this <laughs> is why I, oh gosh I can't I, I, okay okay you're gonna love this you're totally gonna make fun of me but i nerded out on my first book and um i set up all these metadata fields which i still do i have them set up on my other books and any um, word that starts with meta you've lost me yeah but keep going keep so so i exported so for every scene you have these little fields that you can set up where you can make up whatever you want like what's the mood what's the time of day blah 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 and i exported all of these out and then i did data analytics on them oh, God. <laughs> i'm such a nerd but i had so much fun doing that <laughs> Um, I found where I duplicated a character name by doing that because I was like, wait, really? why does this guy, Tom, show up in like 20 scenes? Because he's a 10 minute throwaway character. And I went back and found out, oh, whoops, I named two guys Tom ah. because of my analytics. So not, you know, not a total time waste. No, no. <laughs> Guys, I just want to give you a time check because we're going a little long. So, but yeah. please continue. I, I would like to throw my hat in the ring for Scrivener um, and some of the other tools out there. There's, there's another one. 
uh, called The Quill. It's a website that's that I think is pretty reasonably priced. Anyway, there's a lot of different options out there, but um, I I have found that trying to write in uh, a Word document type app like Google Docs or or Microsoft Word or anything like that, they're not really designed to handle long form fiction. Um, and when I discovered Scrivener, oh shit, <clears throat> yeah, sorry. So Continue. when I discovered Scrivener, I was I was really impressed with the ease with which you can rearrange your work. That was the that was the selling point to me. It's like you can you can write a scene, and then you can drop that scene in anywhere. Um, and the ability to like reorder the scenes or reorder the chapters just by dragging and dropping them was huge for me. And I didn't I didn't even dive into all the analytic stuff like like Lancey did. I I don't I don't utilize it nearly to its fullest capacity. But uh, there's things like you can put in word targets for the manuscript or word targets for your session or word targets for this specific scene. And it'll, it'll track that for you. It tracks how much, like when you wrote and how much you wrote over the past year or through the life of the project, there's just little, little features like that, that make it really nice. Uh, whenever your job is to sit and put words down on the page, um, there's, there's a lot of nice functionality in there too, that is pretty basic level to just give you an idea of what you're doing and when you're doing it. And, and it'll even track like the time of day that you're writing. So if you're trying to determine, am I more productive in the morning or am I more productive in the evening? You can look back and see that, you know, in the mornings you might've been writing 1800 words, but in the evening you're only writing 600. So you're definitely more productive during the morning then. Right. So stuff like that. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to use all of it. Uh, this is me speaking to the audience here. You don't have to use all of it, but it's definitely for the price that they charge, which I think is like 60 or $70 for one time, no subscription. Um, it is a, a really powerful tool that uh, really makes it easy to organize and reorganize as you go. Cause a lot of times you start writing something, you don't know exactly where you're headed and um, Scrivener makes it easy to adapt as you move. So. Yeah. I do I do want to throw out there real quick, CT, before you start, I saw you were about to say something. Um on my website, lancymccall.com, I actually have a bunch of articles I've written on how to do something in Scrivener. Um, but part of my training as a project manager, right, is writing up technical documents and training manuals and stuff. So I have that background. And when I've discovered some a cool tool how to do this or something that people I people should know how to do it. If they don't, I write up an article and put it out there. So if you need a little help with that, go, go check it out. I might have something out there that can help you. Sorry. Your, your documents on exporting were very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. LanceyMcCall.com. Correct. Correct. All right. Well, apparently um, when it comes to being a, a person and a human being, um, I'm not quite as good as Michael and Lancey, because I have resorted to Microsoft Word. <laughs> the, the fundamental and the basic when it comes to Word, Word. <laughs> That's not right. See? That's not right. Michael just gave the loser sign on his forehead <laughs> for our listening audience. This is no, this is what I have the, to put up with. For the record, this... though, for the record, though, I know plenty of people that use Microsoft Word or Google Docs to write, and they're perfectly fine with it. It doesn't yeah. work for me, but it works for them. Yeah. I do want to say too, 
And I I know we're totally interrupting you, CT, and I apologize. That's okay. I don't care. I'm not as good as you are, Lancey. So go ahead. No, in no in <laughs> so I'm kidding. It's a joke. In word, you used to be able to move sections. So Michael is talking about how you could move scenes around. If you have the navigational menu turned on, mm -hmm. you used to be able to just drag a whole section and move it that way quite easily. Mm -hmm. Now, because I am now on a Mac, I don't know if it's because the Mac version of Word does not do that anymore, or if Microsoft had just has just screwed everybody and got rid of that feature. <laughs> Yeah, that that's <laughs> that's really uh, that's a good uh, it's good to know because I am unaware that I can take sections uh, in the uh, navigation pane or whatever that's called and, and move them around. What I normally do is hit um, command, command S or command whatever it is. Highlight like eight and a half pages, right? And I cut it and it disappears. It goes away. And then I move to where I want to put it in the document. And then I put my cursor there and I hit control and P. And like magic, it just appears. It reappears. Yeah. Well, check out the navigational. How do you like that? If it works for you to just drag it. How long did it know. take you to carve that wheel out of stone, CT? <laughs> <gasps> no seriously i i'm uh, i'm i'm writing him i'm writing him hard on that just because um he was he was playing off the joke that he's that he's not as good as us but the reality is is you know what ct does that work for you yes the, yes michael and that is the question isn't it there yeah. it is that then that system is perfect yeah if, uh, well if if that system works for you, if whatever you're using works for you, use it and don't yeah. feel guilty. And that's to 100%. CT directly and to everybody who's listening, because it 100%. doesn't fucking matter. As long as you get the words down and you get it out, whatever works, write it on napkins for all I care. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Write it with crayon. Just get it down. Yeah. Uh, CT, I do want to tell you just a little tidbit to keep in your back pocket the next time Michael's giving you a hard time. <laughs> Tables. <laughs> And bullet points in Scribner suck ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. no, they do. Yeah. All right. I'll keep I, that in my back pocket right there. I am, uh, while I do use Scrivener quite a bit, um, I have found that their iOS application, the Scrivener iOS application, leaves a lot to be desired. So there are times mm. when I also want to highlight a significant section of text. And when you do that, and so you started the highlighting and if you're doing it with your finger or with a mouse, it doesn't matter. As soon as you start to move down, like the whole thing will just zip off the page and you'll now highlight everything to the bottom of that document. Oh, and I then hate you, that. Then you try to go up a little bit to try and go the other way. Now you're all the way at the top of the document. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on, that. you know, not everybody can, can scroll wheel inch by inch here. So yeah, there's, there's times when even the, you know, the, the, the tool is designed to be very robust and very usable, but there's times when it still fails me and I get frustrated and I'm like, oh, you know, I got to mm -hmm. resort to using keyboard shortcuts to get it to do it. Hey, man, I remember when I was a little boy my and I, I first started writing and my parents recognized in me that I, I, there was a storyteller in there. They got me an electric typewriter, like an electric brother typewriter oh, that nice. went 
you know, and mm-hmm. had a on the sprule wheel. It had the top part was black for the the you know. I would strike the the letters onto the page, and the bottom part was white because if I made a mistake, I could like flip a button and it moved it up, and I could move it back and go and erase that Y or that yep. A or whatever it was, and then move forward. So if we could go through all of that painful, tortuous, archaic technology, we can find a way to leverage what we've got today to write a story. Nice point. You see my all point? right, guys, do you want to, in the interest of time, you want to give some final thoughts on this topic? Uh, which I've kind of written our, we were all over the board today. So I wrote down our topic is, um, you know, what have we learned in our writing career and how do we get into our writing mindset was the general topic, but we've kind of gone all over. Yeah. yeah, um, (laughs) It was a very good session. (laughs) We will reschedule another for this time next Friday, I expect you to be here. Let the healing commence. Is that your Freud impression? That's pretty good. Yes. That was really good. That actually was a lot better than I thought it was going to. When you started, I'm like, this is going to go off the rails real fast. And it did wow. not. It's, it oh, was good. good all the way through. Good. Good. I'm glad I'm done with it, though. Am Writing. I- Writing is about self-discovery, discovering how you work, discovering what works best for you, discovering what doesn't make you work or what keeps you from working. And um, and if you find something that works, use it just and, and let the naysayers, including myself, fall by the wayside. So, yeah. That was perfect. That's ex- that's exactly the thought I was going to express is you do you, boo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't call me boo. <laughs> <laughs> Please. That's a All girlfriend right. I had. All right, guys. You do you, boo. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> All right. Cool. That, that concludes this episode of Writing Guys. If you have a question that you would like answered, um, go to our website, writingguys.net, uh, click the button to ask us a question and drop it in the form and we'll get it on the show. Uh, and then also be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the Writing Guys podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like us, give us a thumbs up, tell your friends, let us know. And until next time, bye. See y'all.